Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you? I'm so pleased to be with you. I'm always pleased to be with you. You know, I think it was on Friday's program that um, a woman either called in or emailed, and I think it was an email, and said that her priest has a dog, and he puts him on the altar, and there were other atrocities. And I don't, I told her to fi- talk to the priest or find another parish. I almost forgot what I told her. But um, several people uh, wrote in and said, uh, why didn't I tell her to call her bishop and all of that? And one gentleman said, it's probably because you were so sleepy. And I was, I was falling asleep. Isn't that awful when I do that? I'm so sorry. <clears throat> so I was probably only half awake or I would have said that. So if the woman who has the priest who put his dog on the altar is listening, please go to your priest and tell him that that cannot happen. And unless he says he will never again put his dog on the altar, you're going to contact the bishop. Tell the priest that you're going to con. Always go to the person who has the offense first and tell them. And if they don't correct, then tell them you're going to take it to the bishop and uh, write the bishop a letter and copy the priest, or just go to the bishop, whatever you need to do. But the priest should know that. Okay. (laughs) God bless you. Um, I have been looking, and probably many of you have too, um, on the responses to Traditionis Custodis, the Holy Father's Motu Proprio, um, uh, drastically um, curtailing the Latin Mass, to the end of its extinction altogether. And um, that's not my opinion. That's what many have said. I've read uh, Friday. I was trying to read you Cardinal Burke's response, and that's what I kept dozing off. His response is just perfect, absolutely perfect, perfect information from uh, the highest canon lawyer of the church, perfect um, uh, attitude, Uh, Love for the Holy Father and yet love for the truth. It's a wonderful example. So just look up Traditionis Custodis um, and plus Cardinal Burke. His full response is on his own Cardinal Burke's blog. Today's National Catholic Register has a summary of it. Also, Bishop Athanasius Snyder has come out with quite a strong article as well. Um, Both Cardinal Burke and Bishop Snyder have said that the, the, there's limits to papal power, and the liturgy is not the personal property of the Pope to do with as he wishes. He cannot cancel the Latin Mass. He cannot. And so read those articles, because we need to not rebel, um, not to fight, but to stay firm in the truth and the faith that's been given us and continue to live it. <clears throat> There's a wonderful article by Archbishop Vigano, and it actually came out 
a couple of days before the motu proprio. So it's not his response to the motu proprio, but apparently while the Holy Father was in the hospital, uh, there's a gentleman, Maria, um, let's see, Aldo Maria Valley, I think it is, who wrote an article um, on... Um, whose title was While the Pope is in the Hospital. Um, And I didn't read that article, but um, uh, Archbishop Vigano wrote a response to that article, and it was published in Catholic Family News. I read that, and I think it's absolutely outstanding. Um, Let's see now. I'm going to try to get to the beginning of it rather than the introduction. And Carlo um, Maria Vigano, Archbishop Vigano, wrote a response to Mr. to Dr. Valley. He says, I was moved when I read your reflections on the state of the church and on the migration of Catholics from a dying reality to a new, more combative and guerrilla dimension, as you wrote, using an image taken from a well-known radio meditation given by the young Joseph Ratzinger. And again, I haven't read Dr. Valley's article, but Archbishop Vigano says, this migration is not a migration out of the mystical body to a human and utopian reality created in the minds of those who lament the loss of the past and are disgusted with the present. Because if this were our temptation, we would be committing a betrayal of the church itself, separating ourselves from her, and thus precluding our salvation, which she alone ensures to her members. I want to read that again because this really describes the attitude of many good, faithful Catholics who love the Church but are having a very dangerous um, and un-Catholic response to the present situation. Archbishop Vigano says, and I repeat... Um, The migration is not a migration out of the mystical body to a human and utopian reality created in the minds of those who lament the loss of the past and are disgusted with the present. If that's our attitude, beloved, we are of no good to God. We have no help to the church and certainly will have no effect on the millions of souls yet to be saved, yet to be brought into the church. Archbishop Vigano says, if this were our temptation, we would be committing a betrayal of the church herself, separating ourselves from her, and thus precluding our salvation, which she, the church alone, ensures to her members. Ponder that paradox, dear Aldo Maria, precisely those who proclaim that they are proudly faithful to the immutable immutable Catholic magisterium would thus be constructing a false oasis without recalling that we are all exiles um, in uh, Sons of Eve, exiled Sons of Eve, and that we make our way across this valley of tears, um, Gementes et Flentes. Hold on. The church is not over and will not end. We know that this terrible crisis in which we are witnessing the obstinate demolition 
of the little that still survives that is Catholic by those whom the Lord has established as pastors of his flock marks the sorrowful passion and descent into the tomb of the mystical body which providence has ordained must imitate its divine head in everything. Did you hear that? I'm not going to keep repeating everything, but I I must say that the situation we're in now marks the sorrowful passion and descent into the tomb of the mystical body, which providence has ordained, must imitate its divine head in everything. So it also happened under this dark sky of Jerusalem, on Golgotha, when seeing the Son of God lifted up on the cross, there were those who believed that the brief parentheses of the Nazarene was over. But along with those who out of pessimism, fear, opportunism, or open hostility, cynically observe the death rattle of the church, there are also those who groan and have their hearts rent open before that agony, even as they know that it is the necessary indispensable premise of the resurrection which awaits her and all of her members. The death rattle is terrible, just like the Lord's cry that pierced the unbelieving silence of the, of the Passover, and with it, the dominion of Satan over the world. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. We hear Christ cry out while the church groans, We see the spears, the clubs, the reed with the sponge soaked in vinegar. We hear the vulgar insults of the crowd, the provocations of the Sanhedrin, the orders given to the guards, the sobs of the pious women. Behold, dear Dr. Valley, today we must stand at the foot of the cross as we witness the passion of the church. To stand means to remain upright, still, and faithful. Along with Mary Most Holy, the Sorrowful Mother, Stabat Mater Dolorosa, whom the Lord gave to us as our mother right at the foot of the cross in the person of St. John, thereby making us, along with the same beloved disciple, children of his mother, even in the agony of seeing the pains of the passion renewed in the mystical body of Christ, we know that with this last solemn ceremony of time, the redemption is brought to completion, accomplished by the incarnate Son of God. It must find its mystical correspondence in the redeemed. And just as the Father was pleased to accept the sacrifice of his only begotten Son to redeem us miserable sinners, so he deigns to see the sufferings of the passion reflected in the church and in individual believers. Only in this way can the work of the redemption accomplished by Jesus Christ, true God and true man, in the name of humanity, make us co-operators and participants. We are not passive subjects of a plan of which we are unaware but rather we are active protagonists of our salvation and the salvation of our brothers following the example of our divine head. It is in this that we may say 
that we are effectively a priestly people. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go away. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family. We are in the middle of an article um, a response to the present situation written by uh, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, published in the Catholic Family News, entitled with a quote from Archbishop Vigano uh, that says, We must stand at the foot of the cross as we witness the passion of the church. I'm going to pick up from where we left off. <clears throat> Archbishop Vigano says, in the face of the desolation of these terrible times, in the face of the apostasy of the hierarchy and the agony of the ecclesial body, we cannot be truly pessimistic or yield to despair or resignation. Do you hear that? Every single one of you, my brothers and sisters, do you hear that? Archbishop, I'm going to repeat this. In the face of the desolation of these terrible times, and again, this was written two days before our Holy Father's Motu Proprio, Traditionis Custodis, came out. But it's perfect response to it. In the face of the desolation of these terrible times, in the face of the apostasy of the hierarchy, and the agony of the ecclesial body, 
We cannot be truly pessimistic or yield to despair or resignation. You hear that? That's an order. The Archbishop says, We are with St. John and the sorrowful virgin at the foot of the cross on which the new high priests spit, against which a new Sanhedrin curses and swears. On the other hand, we recall that the leaders of the priestly class were the first ones who wanted to put our Lord to death. And so it is not surprising that in the moment of the passion of the church, it is precisely they who mock what the blindness of their soul no longer understands. Let us pray. Let us pray with humility, asking the Holy Spirit to give us strength in the moment of trial. Let us multiply our prayer, penances, and fasting for those who today are among those who brandish the whip Press the crown of thorns upon the head, drive in the nails, and wound the side of the church, just as they once did with Christ. Let us pray also for those who watch impassively or look the other way. Let us pray for those who weep, for those who hold out a handkerchief to wipe the disfigured face, for those who carry the cross for a while, for those who prepare a tomb, um, Wrappings for the body and precious balm, awaiting the blessed hope, the coming of the glory of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Signed, Carlo Maria Maria Vigano, um, Archbishop. This was written the 14th of July on the feast of St. Bonaventure, um, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. I think this is perfect. It's absolutely perfect, beloved. And we are those um, described. Um, in the last two paragraphs, I'll reread this. These are our orders. Let us pray. Let us pray with humility, asking the Holy Spirit to give us strength in the moment of trial. Let us multiply our prayer, penitence, and fasting. For those who today are among those who brandish the whip, press the crown of thorns upon the head, drive in the nails, and wound the side of the church, just as they once did with Christ. Let us pray also for those who watch impassively or look the other way. Let us pray for those who weep, for those who hold out a handkerchief to wipe the disfigured face, for those who carry the cross for a while, for those who prepare a tomb, wrappings for the body, and precious balm. Um, and then he quotes from Timothy chapter two, Titus chapter 2, awaiting the blessed hope, the coming of the glory of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Those are our marching orders, beloved. Archbishop Vigano has revealed that he is not blind to the apostasy in the church, to the betrayal of the hierarchy, to the um, the devastation of the sheep. He's not blind to all that. Um, and of course, you understand he's talking uh, not of every specific bishop or priest, but, but f- for the most part, um, those of the hierarchy who have not joined in the betrayal have been silent, which is a form of betrayal, betrayal. But not all, not all. There are a few good, solid, holy, outspoken bishops 
um, for which we thank God and ask God to protect them and the, the holy priests in the church and the seminarians who, go, who are coming up. Um, I, beloved, I'm, I'm in my heart, um, I am, I don't know what the word is, not devastated because that would render me useless or too weak. But uh, I, I live in pain for all that's going on, but have great, great hope again because uh, our, uh, Carl, Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke, uh, who is the Prefect Emeritus of the Apostolic Signature, the highest court of the church, he is the highest canon lawyer, um, and uh, Bishop Snyder as well, Athanasius Snyder, both have said, but Cardinal Burke is enough for me that he's come out with that because his voice is absolutely official on the side of canon law. And again, Archbishop uh, Bishop Snyder, uh, who has been so helpful to the faithful, um, both have said that the Holy Father has no power to cancel the traditional mass, the mass of the ages, the usus antiquitur, the the ancient usage of the mass, the Tridentine mass, the extraordinary form called by all those names, that the Holy Father is not, uh, he does not own the liturgy and he cannot cancel it. He has not that power. There are limits to the Holy Father's, to any Pope's power. Um, the church is not his to do with as he wishes. The church is his for him to safeguard the faith and the faithful. In the case of his recent motu proprio, he's done all but seek to destroy it. And so um, we stand fast. It's a great relief to me, dear ones, to know that what he's written is filled with error, contradiction, and uh, again, he has no power to enforce this. Uh, he had he was over his head, so to speak, to even have put it out to the faithful. So it's caused already much damage, much confusion, much sorrow, much um, uh, taking of illegitimate power on the part of some bishops who responded immediately uh, to cancel the Latin Mass. So uh, trust God, beloved. He is building his church. Trust him to have allowed you to be alive, to love, to believe in this time. In this time, God needs saints. He needs warriors. He needs those who will not back down, those who will not be silent, but have their voices heard in a helpful, a meaningful way that spreads the gospel, corrects errors, but spreads the gospels for anyone to find their way into the church in a day like this. In fact, never mind even a day like this. I remember my brother uh, came into the church 16 years before me. Uh, in 1979, he came in, and he was right in the middle of all the craziness and clown masses and everything else. And the priest said to him, how did you ever find your way into the church in a day like this? And even when I came into the church in 95, people asked me the same thing. Um, and the only answer is because it is the church. When we long for God, when we long for truth, all the, all the proof is there through history um, that it is the church. 
And I've said to my Protestant friends and others who still to this day think I've entered Satan's system, if Protestantism can split over 40,000 times in 500 years, how do you account for one church that has stood for 2,000 years with the likes of us in it? There's no way it's man-made. It never would have stood. Never, ever, ever would have stood. It is of God. It is the church that Satan has entered because he's only interested in destroying the work of God. That's his target. Those who have left the church and are a Protestant denomination, um, who have part of the truth, not the whole truth, and part of what they have is distorted. They do not have the sacraments. They do not have the full means of grace. Um, we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful, beloved, that in this time, God has us to be his witnesses. It's not too hard to be witnesses of God. I know I have hiccups. I'll take care of them during the break. Not too hard to be God's witnesses when everything is good. Not to, excuse me, not too hard to love your spouse, your children, your parents when things are favorable. It's but it's in the midst of trial and destruction and um, things that would discourage us. Then we show our colors. And the only way we can assess our spirituality and where we are and how strong we are for the love of the church and the love of truth is, is not in our actions, but it's on our reactions. If in our actions we are faithful to go to the Sunday Mass and daily Mass, and let's say we go to the Tridentine Mass, we pray the prayers, we're, we modestly dress, we're raising good Catholic families, this is terrific. But when we're come against, and when these things are threatened to be robbed, to be robbed out of our lives, um, it's our reactions that show where we're at. Because we can have good lives, it's kind of automatic, it almost becomes mechanical and routine, it's with meaning, but when we're come against, um, our reaction shows us if all this supposed love for God and his church and his mass, love for our faith, what we proclaim is love for our fellow men, um, our response shows us if that love is real, if our hearts have truly been formed in Christ. So to lash out to... Um, to curse, to write um, um, awful um, letters of, um, I don't know what kind of uh, words to say, but we need to not break our witness. We need to not, we need to show whose children we are, that we are true sons and daughters of the church. Trust God for this, beloved. We've already been told that the motu proprio cannot stand. Rest, relaxed, trust in God. I watched a video yesterday, which, by the way, we're, we're sending out as an email. If you're not on our email list, 
Today would be the day to go to our website, motherofisraelshope.org, and sign up for the email. It'll be going out uh, late today or by tomorrow. Um, And um, oh, the message is from the FSSP, the Fraternity of the Society of St. Peter, whose uh, superior gave them one order, pray to St. Joseph. We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices. And we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I grew up Catholic Church. I haven't been in the Catholic Church for decades, but I'm in the process of working my way back for the simple reason that I needed a place to listen to pro-life, pro-family messages. Catholic radio is it. It's a place to hear that message without all the political bias and all that that's going on on News Talk Radio. It changed my life. It's the only station I turn on. Station is an answer to prayer. It, it couldn't be more fulfilling. It's helped me learn more about the faith, and it's helped me to deepen my faith as a result of that. It's on continuously in my house, day and night. You can't imagine how much I receive from that channel. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. This is our half hour, and you are welcome to call in. Our lines are wide open with anything on your heart. Again, the matter of the heart, uh, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. does not have to be what we're speaking about. The toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have an email from Mary Ellen <clears throat> who writes, Mother, does a Catholic who was buried at death, does a Catholic who was buried at death have a different path to heaven than a Catholic who was cremated, assuming they both died in a state of grace? Absolutely not. Nothing after death determines our eternity. Absolutely nothing. If when we're buried, we're dead, and our soul is not no longer in our body. Um, nothing determines our eternity, not the way we're buried, absolutely not. 
um, someone was buried in the ground, they were cremated, it'll have nothing to do with their eternity. The, the main issue is that they both died in a state of grace. And then Mary Ellen says also, is the best and most reverent way to handle the ashes of a loved one who has been cremated. I know some people spread the ashes around. That's not good. That's not correct. Others keep them in a vase or urn it of some sort, etc. That's not good either. And I'm wondering if the church teaches anything about creation. cremation. God bless you, Mary Ellen. Yes. You may not spread the ashes around or keep them in an urn at home. I know people do that, but you need to have a proper burial, just as if the body had not been cremated. You need to put the urn or wherever the ashes are in the ground and have a proper burial. Um, Email from Cindy, who says, I just became Catholic this April 1st. I love the Latin Mass. Not to bash anyone, but this Pope's actions are sickening. Pagan worshiping with Pachamama on the side chapels of St. Peter's. Whipping, or maybe she means wiping out masses across St. Peter's. And now across the world. He is dividing us further and further. He makes it really hard to respect his office, even though I know I must. You are so correct when you said... This is not from God. It must hurt Jesus and all the saints so much to see this. So what are we to do about this? Is it okay to contact bishops about stopping this? Can I write, email, or call Rome? Thanks for your time. My heart feels filled with your teachings and truth. Bless you. Thank you, Cindy. Um, You know... um, you say it makes it really hard to respect the Pope's office, even though you know I must, that you must. No, um, yes, you must, but it shouldn't make it hard to respect the Pope's office. It may make it hard for you to respect the Pope as a man, as a human being, but the office is from God, and the, the man who fills it uh, cannot distort that office. It's what God has given. He can falter. He can be uh, unfaithful or disobedient or blind or many things, but the office is given from God. It is the chair of Peter, and nobody can change that. So that's why we have respect for it. Um, um, And then you say, what are we to do about this? It is okay to contact bishops about stopping this. Can I write, email, or call Rome? You can do all of that. Yes, you can. Um, But if you write an angry, hostile letter, you're not going to help anybody because they're not going to read it. They have, um, otherwise, they'll be swamped with people's emotions. If you wish to help in any way, write a sound, good, sensible letter and tell them your personal love for the Latin Mass and say, we're begging you. We're begging you to do anything to not have it canceled. Okay, that's what I would do. We have an email from Wanda who says, Hi, Mother Miriam, can you please explain what the process of becoming a nun is and then later talking about the title of Mother was like? Okay, the process of becoming a nun, well, different orders have different processes. A contemplative order it's normally average, a six-year process. An active order or contemplative active 
uh, adds a couple of years to it because there's more involved in in uh, going out to minister to the public. Um, but um, so in our community, and by the way, um, we've Friday we just had uh, the women in the current retreat go back home and uh, next week we have four women coming and we've been taking women all summer long uh, three, two to four at a time Um, we uh, are still um, there's a number of women who want to enter from the retreats but we still have room Um, and so again we're looking for a few women ages 18 to 28, and some more from ages 29 to 40. Uh, We can take many over 40, um, but the fact is we already have over 100 requests from women that are over 50, so um, we want want to have a balance. We will take in older women. We already have. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, we had two 81-year-olds come on retreat. They don't know each other, two different retreats, both really lovely. Um, but we also want to balance that with younger women and those just a little bit older. So at the moment, we are um, ages 18 to 77 at the moment and everything in between. But you're still welcome to call if you're 40 or under um, and you you would like and you, you are in a position to enter religious life this fall sooner than later we want to receive those women because we only have three extra rooms in our temporary quarters we'd like to receive those women who are in a position to come sooner than later and they'll be part of our uh, founding group in beloit kansas um so go ahead and and email us um you can go onto our website motherofisraelshope.org look under vocations and you could read our charism and if that suits you go to the contact uh, button and simply email us at vocation inquiry at motherofisraelshope.org and we will get back to you right away make sure you put your um your contact information um your age your address your phone and any particular issues that um, you would want to bring up that could be a factor. Okay, God bless you. Um, So to answer Wanda's email, um, when the women come in, it's a month aspirancy, followed by 11 months postulancy, followed by two years novitiate, the first year of which is more cloistered, uh, followed by a triennial vows for three years, renewed for two years until final perpetual vows. So the entire process from entry to final vows is eight years. Um, and again, we're Benedictine. We follow completely the rule of St. Benedict, and we're contemplative active. Um, so hopefully. And as far as taking the title of mother, what that's like, I, I can't tell you how much I love it because the world needs mothers. And when I meet people from the Hispanic uh, community or uh, Romanian or anywhere in Europe, they call us mother right away. Even if we're wearing a white novitiate veil, they call us mother right away because that's their culture and I love it. And in our case, you become sister one year after you enter, as you enter the novitiate, you are given a religious name and the full habit with a shorter scapular and a white veil. Um, And at that point, 
you have entered religious life and you get your religious name and you're called sister. Um, seven years later, at your perpetual vows, you're no longer sister, you are mother. That's the traditional Benedictine way. And we want a million mothers for the world, so hurry up. Eight years goes by pretty quickly when you love God and you're really living the faith. Okay, Wanda, thanks for the question, dear one. Um, We have an email from Kyle. He says, what is your favorite feast day, Mother? That's so easy. I don't have to think of it. Kyle, it's February 2nd, the presentation of our Lord in the temporal. Um, It it also happens to be uh, the day that John Paul II um, consecrated for religious life. So it's a universal feast day now for all of religious life, but particularly for us It is the presentation of our Lord in the temple. It's from uh, Luke um, uh, chapter 2. And I could could live on that, those couple of verses of Simeon in the temple forever and ever and ever. Um, The Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah, according to the prophets, particularly Isaiah, and and even more particularly Daniel. It was the time of Messiah's coming, 2,000 years from Abraham, and the time of Messiah's coming, and they were waiting for him. And Simeon was an aged Jewish man who somehow God told that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. And he waited at the temple every single day. And lots of couples came with their little babies to be uh, consecrated in the temple. Um, And one day, uh, Mary came with Joseph, holding the child, the little newborn Messiah. And Simeon somehow looked at them, and he knew. The Holy Spirit told him, this is the Messiah. This is God. Took the little baby from the Blessed Mother, and he held that little baby up, and he looked to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose son he was holding, and said, I can die now. Let thy servant depart in peace. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to thy people, Israel. I'm saying it, and I'm a goosebump. It was the revelation of God to the Gentiles through the Jewish people. Christianity is post-Messianic Judaism, which is to say the Judaism that followed the revelation of the Messiah and that spread to the four corners of the world in him. It's just so beautiful. So that's it, Kyle. That's my favorite feast day. It's just so beautiful. We have an email from Patricia who writes, Mother Miriam, I love listening to you at night. Your voice and messages are calming and encouraging, um, helping me to fall asleep more quickly. Well, I'm glad my voice can help you fall asleep. Often it helps me fall asleep while I'm live on the program. (laughs) And uh, Patricia says, I've been wanting to ask this question because I want to understand, not because I'm accusing, and you've probably answered it many times already. My question is this, you are Jewish. You became an evangelical Protestant and were pastored by none other than John MacArthur. You are absolutely right, Patricia. Therefore, you must know about the scripture in Jeremiah 
718, which says, and she quotes it here, the children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. And then again, she writes in 1 Timothy 2.5, for there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. And then she quotes Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And finally, uh, Luke 11, 1 through 4, which I'll quote and then we'll go to the break. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in, in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, um, and so forth. Um, you know what? I better take this when we come back from the break. Beloved, you're still welcome to call in. We'll have a little more than 10 minutes. And our toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Praise be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and again, our lines are wide open. You are most welcome to call in with anything on your heart, one 511 or email at com. We began before the break reading an email from Patricia, who says um, she's asking a question she wants to understand. She's not accusing or anything, but she said, you're Jewish to me. You became an evangelical Protestant and were pastored by none other than John MacArthur. She's right. Um, I love John MacArthur. I will be grateful for him uh, for all eternity. Uh, Therefore, she says, you must know about the scripture in Jeremiah 7.18, which she quotes, the children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. She's got several other quotes here and it seems, uh, Patricia, that your answer, your question is the communion of saints. Can we pray to those who have gone before us and can we intercede those saints in heaven? Are they mediators for us? Can we intercede? The first example you gave in um, Jeremiah 718 where the children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire and the women knead their dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven to pour out drink offerings unto other gods, small g, that they may provoke me to anger. Why did they provoke God to anger? Because they weren't praying to the true queen of heaven. They were praying to Ashtoreth, a false god whom the Babylonians and the Assyrians worshipped and the Israelites um, turned from God and were worshiping their false gods. That's why they have provoked God to anger. Then she quotes 1 Timothy 2, 5, there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. That's exactly right. Of course, scripture is right. Jesus is our one mediator, which makes us little mediators. We, we are little mediators in the one mediator. He is the one intercessor. We are little intercessors in him. He is the reconciler. We are reconcilers in him. We are in Christ. We are little Christ on the earth. And so um, it's because Jesus is our one mediator that we can mediate for one another. If St. Paul says, I I ask your prayers, pray for me and all the faithful, uh, we're not going to say, St. Paul, what what are you asking us for? Go to Jesus. Don't you pray to Jesus? Why do we need you to pray for us? You're making yourself a mediator. In fact, he is. Paul says, pray for all men everywhere kings and and rulers pray for everybody why can't they go to jesus of course they can but god has made us mediators um in christ jesus we help one another acts four twelve. salvation is found in no one else no other name under heaven given to mankind which by which we must be saved apart from jesus there's no salvation everyone must be saved through him and then um she quotes the uh, Our Father, 
and, and Lord, teach us to pray. We pray to the Father. It doesn't mean because we pray to the Father that we don't pray for one another. If you say to me, Mother, uh, I have a, I think I've got COVID. Would you pray for me? Of course, I'm going to pray for you. Of course, I'm going to pray for you. Well, why? Why don't, why don't I say to you, well, you're praying to the Father. What do you need me for? Because God has made us members of one another. And he, we are members of him. He is our head. We are his members. We pray for one another in him, through him, because he's the one mediator. And he's made us little mediators in him. Um, and she says, Patricia says, there are many other injunctions in the scriptures against adding anything or anyone to the worship of God. Uh, no one's adding anything to the scriptures. We're obeying the scriptures to pray for kings and queens and all men everywhere. We're obeying the scriptures. Is it the adding of other gods what got Israel into so much trouble in the past? Of course, we're not adding other gods. We're praying for one another through the one mediator, Jesus Christ. Isn't it equating tradition with scripture? The reason Jesus scolded the Pharisees, absolutely not. Jesus accused the Pharisees, not of the tradition of God, but the tradition of men, their tradition, with a small t. Um, How did you become convinced about Mary being the mediatrix when the Bible speaks so clearly that Jesus is the only mediator and that God, um, the Father, is the only one we should pray to in the name of Jesus? Now, um, that's quite a bit uh, to answer you in, in such a short time. But if we don't have time, I'm going to suggest, Patricia... Go to Catholic.com and get, um, there's a tape series or CD by Tim Staples called Behold Your Mother. That will be very helpful. If you also go online, um, Dr. Mark Miravalli has written a wonderful trilogy of little books, and one is titled A Mary Mediatrix, Co-Redemptrix, and, and Co-Advocate. And I think they would be very, very helpful. Um, One of the things that helped me into the Catholic Church was Charles Wesley's song, The Church, The Church's, apostrophe S, The Church's One Foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. And the third stanza of that says, Yet we on earth have a union with God the three in one and a mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. We are the body of Christ. In heaven, triumphant. In purgatory, suffering on earth, militant. We are the body of Christ. And God has not eliminated our being able to pray for one another once we leave this body, if we die in a state of grace. We can still pray for one another. Those who die are outside of time and space. And all our prayers go through Christ to help one another. That's why we must pray for the souls in purgatory, and that's why we can trust the prayers of those in heaven for us. Um, uh, How do we extrapolate from Jesus' words on the cross that he gave Mary to the church when we could just as easily say he gave responsibility for the care and keeping of his mother to John the disciples because his brothers didn't yet believe in him? Well, um, 
his cousins, they are not true brothers. Um, no, he did. John took Mary into his home. There's no question about that. But he wouldn't have seven last words on the cross. He wouldn't have done something so mundane as to say, John, will you take care of my mom? No way. No way. Behold your son. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. He gave Mary to John and through John to us as his mother on the cross. She says, I agree with you that Catholicism derives from Judaism of old. The tabernacle of the Torah is the same as the tabernacle of the Eucharist. Also, the, not quite the same, by the way. Quite a difference between the written word and the living word. Also, the priestly vestments, chants, incense, liturgies, holy days, feast days, all seems to derive directly from the rites of Jewish temple worship. Well, they're the fruit of that. Yes, absolutely. Finally, she says, I want to add that for the past five years until the lockdown, my husband and I were attending mass at a parish near us, and I found it to be so rich, deep, and fulfilling that I never wanted to leave in spite of all the additions to the worship of God. Patricia, dear one, the Catholic Church has added nothing to the worship of God. Protestantism has made it empty and has stripped it of its full beauty and its full pleasure and of the fullness of the word of God. As Luther himself dared after 1500 years to throw out seven plus books. Patricia says, thank you so much for your thoughts. May God bless all your labels for his kingdom, labors for his kingdom. Love in Christ, Patricia. Go to catholic.com, put any topic you want into their beginning search box and you will be helped greatly. God bless all of you. We'll speak with you tomorrow.